podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And welcome to, did we decide this was the St. Patty's Day episode? Yes, I think we did. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. We're a little early, but it's fine. Go pinch your friends on Friday. Yes. With consent. Eat, drink, and be merry. Eat, drink, and wear green. Yes. That's all. But not envy. No, that's being green with envy. Yeah, wear don't do green. that either. But don't cheat either. Like, you can't be like, oh, I've got a little piece of green on my socks. No, make it obvious. No. Oh, that's good green cheating. underwear on. Nobody wants to know that. Okay. First of all, why are you wearing green underwear? Disgusting. They were white when I bought them. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say if they were white when you bought them. <laughs> Disgusting. <kidding>. Okay. Gross. <laughs> anyways, anyways. Happy St. Patty's Day. Go go pinch someone. I'll be at my house so no one can pinch me. I'll be safe. Go have a beer and a car bomb. A car bomb? It's a drink. I figured that part out, but I've never heard of that as a drink. Oh, it's horrible. Uh, I've only had once. I grew to like them. <clears throat> that doesn't sound like it's good. If Listen, if someone has to say just keep drinking and it'll taste better, it's because you're drunk. The first time I ever drank, because I was a, a good child, I did not drink until I was 21. It was birthday. I told my husband, um, well, fiance at the time, I told Cody, go get wine because I want to try wine. Maybe we'll be bougie. I'm not a wine person. But <laughs> we got we got wine and Cody's like, just keep drinking. It tastes better as you go. And I said, that's because you're drunk. Like <laughs> The yeah. more you drink, the less you taste. Yeah. And so. Anyways, if someone ever tells you just keep drinking, it's probably because it tastes like shit and you're just going to be drunk by the end of it. This is this is the first mixed drink I ever had at a bar because it took me a long time to even like beer. And now I do. I enjoy a good beer. But I was at a bachelorette party and, you know, people buy you drinks when you're at a bachelorette party. And this guy, he was like, well, I'll buy you all Irish car bombs. And I was like, well, what is that? And he told me and he's like, you just have to drink it fast before it curdles or it's really nasty. And I'm like, that sounds like something I am going to hate. And by the way, I hated it. I like them now, but it is not a good starter drink. But apparently it is whiskey. Um, most of the time, Jameson Irish whiskey. And it's layered over Irish Bailey's Irish cream in a shot glass. And then you drop the shot glass in a glass of Guinness stout. And then you have to drink it really quickly before it curves. I did not drink it fast enough. And I also didn't want to be rude, so I took it to the bathroom and poured it down the sink. Okay. And that's the story of my first car bomb. Okay. Um, the first mixed drink, now that we're talking about mixed drinks, I want to say the first mixed drink, not at a bar, because I've never been a bar goer. Mm -hmm. not, I don't like people. Don't come near me. It's fine. <laughs> I want to say it was a Moscow Mule, and I still love mules to this day. That's Yeah, that's a way better mixed drink mm -hmm. than my first one yeah. i don't know who that guy was but i don't appreciate it after that yeah. we just got blue motherfuckers and they were delicious so oh well now um it's mules and jaeger bombs for me if i'm gonna have a anything jesus christ you are two opposite <laughs> ends of the spectrum right there you are like i'm gonna sip and enjoy my life or i'm not gonna remember anything Listen, um, the Jaeger bombs are normally when I'm with my sister-in-law or my husband's family, my in-laws. 
because they when they drink they go hard i i can't keep up with them like love them to death but last time so, we drinking my sister-in-law had uh two jaeger bombs right out the gate <laughs> so they go hard and you go home yes we did <laughs> actually go home we're like it's 11 are you ready to go <laughs> nowadays i like a beer and or a whiskey sour and i am happy margarita pre-made margaritas specifically the ones that i don't have to do anything except for pour oh even better if i can get them at a restaurant and i don't have to do anything but drink them on the rocks you have to order them not if i order them one time and say keep them coming my husband's driving that's fair that's fair i'll give it to you well now that we're on it we're gonna need all of our listeners to tell us your favorite drinks because we're curious we're curious now Amanda, she's got her margaritas and her beers. I've got my mules. I do drink the fruity beer, too. Like the Smirnoffs. Yeah, that's the right word. Hey, okay. I'm not, like, I'm not going to go out of my way to get them. But they do keep those that are, like, a dollar in the freezer section. How can you say no to one of those? I don't know what you're talking about. Usually it's like a summer thing. Maybe it's a cheap ass bottom of Alabama thing. I don't know, but I know the people in my hometown know what I'm talking about. They keep on the end caps. They come around summertime, and it's they're in just little packages in the freezer section. They're like maybe a dollar, a dollar twenty five each, and you just throw them in the freezer, and they turn into a slushy, and then you just enjoy. What are these like Smirnoff? Are these? I don't know. I never like just brand. Well, I'm sorry. Are these like fruity type things? Like I just. Listen, I live in Utah. My friends don't drink. They, yes, they're fruity. Uh, I know they have like a margarita one. They have, I think, a, what's that coconut thing called? Pina colada? That, yes, they have that. Obviously not a fan of coconut. They have a bunch of different ones. Is it maybe like Arbor Mist or something? It's fine. We, I'm just curious because we don't have that. At least I've never noticed that. So it's not cultural for me, apparently. All right. Well, how have you been? Um, I've been really good. Uh, work has been hell. But other than that, uh, we're just like shorthanded. But at home, home has been awesome. You know, the not work life. Uh-huh. That's been really good. Uh, Annie is, we've been teaching her sign language and she caught up on it pretty quick. She already knows, well, she can sign. She'll sign back to us milk and food um and we'll sign food to her and she just hauls ass towards her high chair she's like move out of the way i'm i'm headed there mm-hmm. and she's starting to kind of pick up on more and done but those are like two-handed signs so they're a little harder so it's really great even though she can't talk her being able to tell us what the hell she wants i should have done this sooner so home's good works good well, work, yeah, work, work, work. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. I've got to still get your birthday present. I'll work on that later. I got. I got a week. I gotta get. Um. I gotta get me something for my birthday too. Listen, the thing I want to get you, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to. I'm waiting for James's approval. Have you asked him yet? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna put a fire under that ass. <laughs> Listen, we're just we're. I I don't know if he's figured it out yet. <laughs> you're not yeah so i'm gonna message him 
If it's anything like chicken related, I can tell you right away, it's not going to happen. I'm tired of arguing about chickens. I'll apparently never have chickens and I'm still upset about it. I will DoorDash you some chickens. That would be great. <laughs> but the live ones, though. Yes, living baby chicks. They're alive. Yes, that's all I want. I'm texting him now. Okay, anyways, um, I'm trying to think about, I feel like I've been with, like, withholding information from you just because I've noticed that we don't have anything to talk about on the podcast. And so here we are. Uh, but nothing exciting happened this week. Well, that feels uh, somewhat about right. I think I Snapchat you, Maisie being a crackhead a couple times, but... Oh, um, one thing, Cody and I get to do homework tonight. And who gave you this homework? And do I want to know what it is? The doctor. So I don't want to know what it is. It's not that type of homework. It's watching okay. videos. We're doing IVF woman. Look, I don't know how this works. Okay. Uh, I didn't know it was an abstinent thing. Yep. You, you don't have to do anything. Cody doesn't have to come near me. It's great. We can continue having separate bedrooms. Damn, I might need to get IVF. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have videos to watch tonight that say they will take an hour and a half. And I assume it talks about the IVF process. So get the popcorn, maybe a drink. Can you drink? I haven't been just preparation for everything. Okay. So I'm being good. Then get some chips and popcorn. Uh, I'm getting a Mexican pizza right now. I know. I've recommended it and I'm so excited on your behalf. How does it smell? Smells like a brown paper bag. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Is that what it's supposed to smell like? Absolutely not. Okay. Well, I don't know. If you're smelling the bag, then probably. It smells like Taco Bell. I'm so excited. Actually, while I'm trying, should we do shout outs? Yes. I think we had previously discussed we're going to talk about Canada and how they're still here, still kicking, hanging on. But we have new regions. Yes, which is exciting because there's Regina, and that's exciting to me because, well, I will say you as well. Uh, we both love Mean Girls. Mine and James's relationship was built on Taco Bell and Mean Girls, okay? So I appreciate you, Regina. Bryce does too, but more than me. And also, Winnipeg is still there, and Winnipeg is just fun to say. Winnipeg is a lot of fun to say. Hi, Canada. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. What else do we normally talk about? Patreon? We talk about Patreon? We do talk about Patreon. It's That's there. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's there. It's waiting. There's some videos on there, some bloopers. I have been very good about making sure everything gets released uh, on time. So you can listen oh. to us early if you're mm-hmm. impatient. Patient? If you're impatient. Oh. If you were a patient, then yeah, you definitely, you know, you need it. If you're impatient, it's there early. Yes. Um, so that's there. We've got all of the things on there. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Everything is Hell on Heels podcast, except for Twitter. Twitter is Hell on Heels pod. Um, we do post all of the pictures from all of the episodes on there. And then I think that's all we don't really talk about. Oh, you can email us. Hell on Heels podcast at gmail.com. We have that. So if you want to send us suggestions, ideas, whatever you guys want, send it there. We have the Discord. That's up and running. Oh, yeah. Discord. We act like we haven't been doing this for over a year now. Fine. It doesn't feel like it. That's why. Yeah, it's fine. So Discord is up and going. So if you want to join our Discord, shit talk with us, whatever, you can do that. And then I think that's it. Yeah. I think that's all. Okay. So you did true crime this week. Do you have anything fun to talk about? Okay. It's probably 
Do you have anything interesting? You Annie like to... clearly doesn't want to hear what I have to say. Well, lucky for her, she's not wearing the headphones. Well, lucky for her, because I don't want to hear it either. But I do have a story for you. A story <gasps> that Cody chose. Oh. Uh, he chose this solely by the name. And so here we go. Have you ever heard of, this is not the name of it, this is the country. Have you ever heard of Bailiwick of Jersey? Never in my life. It's an Sorry. island country near, uh, so it's an island country near the coast of northwest France. So it's between France and the UK. Um, in the 50s, sources showed a population of approximately 30,000 people in total. It's not a big country. It is about nine miles wide, five miles long. Total of 45 square, 45-ish square miles in total. Holy crap. Yeah, that's according to gov.je which I assume was an official website for Jersey. That's really tiny. Like, I could walk. I'm not, but I could. I did include a picture, the little red dot that's in the drive where you can kind of see between um, France, that area. That's Jersey. Oh, yeah. It's teeny tiny. It's, it's very, very small. Oh, but it's so pretty. It is. It's very, very pretty. I also included a picture of their coastline. So, because I want to go there now. Yeah, it's, oh my gosh, it's so pretty. It's so gorgeous. Well, the small community, as you can imagine, only 30,000 people. That's not large by any means. Between 1957 and 1971, Jersey had a slight problem. People were being attacked and raped at an alarming rate. So... For this area, it's an alarming rate. I feel like that's a really aggressive crime for such a small community. Mm -hmm. This sex offender would be dubbed the Beast of Jersey. And that's what we're going to cover today. I'm not excited. Okay. Did you see the pictures? Is that why you're not excited? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I scrolled too far. I'm just going to back out on this now. Okay. We're in okay. for it. Let's go. Yep. So, the earliest documented attack was in early 1957. The victim was a young woman who was waiting at a bus stop in Mont-a-la-Abbe. Mont I don't know if I'm saying that right, because I assume they're pretty similar to a French dialect. I don't speak French. So, young woman, she is attacked by a man with a scarf covering his face. He would approach her, strike her over the head, tie a rope around her neck, and force her to a nearby field. There he would rape her before he would flee. Did she, she lived though? Yes. So I didn't find any victims that, that were murdered. These are all people who, from what I could find, lived. Well, that's a whole nother problem. I mean, I'm glad, don't get me wrong, but that's a lot to live with. Yes. She was discovered, taken to a hospital for her wounds. And then this same type of attack would happen again in March of 1957. Again in July of 1957, where he would attack a 31-year-old. And then again in October of 1959, he would attack a 28-year-old. So these are kind of like all over the place. Yes. And all of these attacks, they have the same MO at this point. They're targeting people who are alone, typically at bus stops and near isolated fields. All of these victims gave similar descriptions to police. They all stated the man was around 5'6", in his mid-ish 40s had a strange Irish accent that they believed he was possibly faking. They all stated their attacker had a musty smell to him. So he just smelled like dirty old socks. Okay, ew. Like, yeah. ew. Uh-huh. 
1960, the Musty Man would begin making house calls. Please call him the Musty Man for the rest of this, for the rest of your time speaking. Okay, I'll try my best to remember. On February 14th, 1960, a 12-year-old boy would be awakened by a sound in his room. In his second-story bedroom stood a masked man at the foot of his bed. He would shine a flashlight at the boy's face, blinding him, and he would tie a rope around his neck and force him outside to a nearby field. The attacker would then sodomize the 12-year-old boy. Um, when the assault was over, the musty man would lead the boy back to his house. I feel like it's, it's like... It's weird, but it's also, like, worse that you're just going to leave him. You're going to take him home afterwards? Mm-hmm. I yep. feel like, and this is me, like, I've never been in this situation, obviously, but leave me alone. I can find my way back home. Like, just go. Just leave me alone. Yeah, I was not a fan of that, but I had, I was too deep into research. Yeah, so I agree. I feel like I wouldn't want him taking me home, but this is also a... What, 12-year-old boy? He doesn't know any better. Oh, no, I'm not talking about the boy. I'm talking about, you know, the man. Like, leave him alone. He's done enough. Oh, I trust me, I know that kid was... The whole thing is really fucked up. God. Um, in March of the same year, a woman was walking to a bus stop when a man would stop and offer her a lift. He would tell her that he's a doctor, he's on his way home to pick up his wife... And this woman would accept and be like, oh, yeah, if you're going to offer me a lift, I'll take it. After she had gotten into the car, she realized this man was wearing a big overcoat, hat, gloves. She also noticed she couldn't actually make out his face. And this was the moment where she was like, oh, shit. Um, By the time she had realized she had already been driven to a secluded part of the island where he would, I mean, he would attack the woman. He punched her in the face. He would tie her hands behind her back. She would be led out of the car to the field where he would sexually assault her in the field. Then after he would lead her back to the car, the pair would drive off and this woman would take an opportunity to escape. And she actually leapt from the moving vehicle and she began screaming for help. The man drove off and him and the car were not located. What is it with this man in fields? Is it just like they're remote? Secluded. So there's no one around. Yeah. And that's that's what it is. And anytime also, I'm sorry, anytime I hear of somebody jumping out of a moving vehicle, that is the most badass thing. I like I just can't I can't imagine that. I don't Right. It's always super impressive to me. No, I agree. So oh sorry, I don't know what I did, but I'm at the bottom. Apparently we're done. Story's over. The end, Mussy Man dies. Exactly. No. Okay. His next target was a remote cottage. And here in this remote cottage, there is a 53, I'm sorry, a 43-year-old resident. She was awakened by what was described as an alarming noise at about 1.30 a.m. In some reports, it states that it was actually the phone ringing late at night that awoke her initially. After checking the call, which she said was silence, she just assumed it was the wrong number. And she went back to bed. And that's when she heard a little while later another noise in the home. And when she reached the bottom step of her home, the lights in her home would go out. And at this point, she would realize she was not alone and there was someone else in the living room with her. She would attempt to call the police, but she found that the phone line had been cut. And this man would also begin a violent confrontation between her and him. Reportedly, he would run at this woman and he demanded money, threatened to kill her, all sorts of things. And this scuffle awoke her 14-year-old daughter. 
And when the musty man saw the 14-year-old daughter who had come to see what happened, he would release the mom and lunge at the daughter. Oh, no. The mother would take this as an opportunity. She would escape to the neighbor's house and return home with the neighbors. By the time she had returned home, the man was gone. But her 14-year-old daughter had been beaten, tied, and raped. Oh, my God. Yeah. That poor, like... The whole thing. Oh, my God. And her daughter was already home? Mm-hmm. It was the middle of the night. Oh, okay. It was the middle of the night, like 1.30 a.m. That's uh, right. And she was asleep and woke up to either get the phone or get... I'm sorry. I missed... I don't know where I went for a second, but I think I tried to stop listening and then remembered that I, I'm not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's... Home invaders terrify me because it's just, like, that's a... That's a game of Russian roulette. You never know what kind of house you're going into. So the kind of person that is willing to just break into someone's house. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, we'll talk about it. Now, if you, at this point, if you haven't caught on, the Beast of Jersey would begin to target children. So his last two victims were both children. In April, a 14-year-old found him lurking in the shadows of her room. This young girl, however, screamed so loudly that this this man would flee because she did wake up her parents. In July, an eight-year-old boy was taken from his home, sexually assaulted in a nearby field, and again walked back to his home afterwards. Police, they've connected that these are all the Beast of Jersey. They, They know this is all the same person, the MO fits, everything's matching. And they begin questioning residents with criminal records. Um, They even... They even request that all men on the island submit a fingerprint, like their fingerprint sample. Okay. That shouldn't be too hard, I guess? uh, Well, they also did allow this to be, like, you could opt out because these were like, I am choosing to give you the fingerprint. Um, And they did have people opt out, which did help them uh, narrow the suspect list. But... Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily find him right away. Okay. Police, they start to, like I said, they are starting to narrow their suspect list. And at the top of the list was one Alphonse Le Gastelois. Alphonse, he was a known eccentric for Jersey. He was a local fisherman, an agricultural worker. He liked to roam the country lanes late at night, just wander around. Police described him as a loner. He wore a dirty old raincoat and that raincoat was tied with a piece of rope. And so he's kind of the likely suspect here. The police know that, you know, this crazy person's attacking people with a rope. However, so far, none of what I've said has has made him a sex offender. Police also have no physical evidence to tie him to the crimes. So even after they arrest him, he would be released after about 14 hours of questioning. They do take his clothes as evidence at this time. And regardless of their lack of evidence, Alphonse's name and picture would be plastered all over the newspaper. He, Out of all of their suspects, he is the only one I could find where his name and photo were released to the public. Oh my gosh. Leave Alfonso alone. Or Alphonse. is it Alphonse? Excuse it's Alphonse. Me. Sorry. Uh, leave Alphonse alone. Like, yeah. If he didn't do it, he didn't do it, right? No, he didn't do it. Okay, yeah, if he didn't do it, leave him alone. Well, there were about 30 potential suspects. And again, his was the only name released. And with the public believing that Alphonse was the man behind these vicious attacks, they would start taking matters into their own hands. And some 
quote unquote vigilantes would burn down his house. Oh my god. Alphonse, at this point, he is afraid for his life. In May of 1961, he would leave the island and go into self-imposed exile on La Mamotere, which is a small reef island that is a part of Jersey. Um, From what I could find, the only structures on this reef were small huts with no running water or electricity. They have little vegetation. Um, Alphonse just learned to live off of the land. Uh, I mean, one example, he claimed that in order to stay warm, he reportedly would push two tables together, throw a blanket over them, and then light a candle or a small fire underneath to kind of get that heat in. Oh my, I feel so bad. for the, Like, in a way, I'm not condoning this at all, but I also understand that these victims are children and people are going to get pissed. I'm pissed, okay? I would be pissed if this was happening to kids in my area too. Um, so I can see maybe why what happened to him had happened, why it happened, but I don't understand why the hell the media released his name and especially only his name. Cause that's all the police gave them. So it was the police giving that out that name. So did he have a reason for police to not like him or just. From what I could find, it was mostly just desperation. Like police were just desperate to find who was doing it. The public was probably breathing down their necks and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Alphonse would live like this for 14 years. Oh my god. Alphonse. He even dubbed himself the King of Echerus, which was like the chain of reef right there. Mm-hmm. Now, after Alphonse left for exile, what do you think happens with these attacks? Please tell me they kept going. They do. They continue. Okay. In April of Alphonse's sake, sorry. He pretty quickly was exonerated, but he stayed on the island by choice. I mean, at that point, even if it was a week after my house burned down and they figured out, oh, it wasn't Alphonse, I'm still not going back. Screw all of you. Yeah. Agreed. He's the king of Icarus. Yeah, he's he's the king of his own area. He's fine. Mm -hmm. In April of 1961, three more victims would come forward as being attacked by a a mask-wearing assailant. Now. The police numbers one number one suspect has been exiled and exonerated, and police turn to the Scotland Yard to get a profile on the suspect. The profile estimates the suspect to be about 40 to 45 years old, about 5'6", medium build, would wear a mask or a scarf for all attacks. They believed him at one point to have a mustache. He smelled like ass. That is not the official uh, <laughs> official terminology they used. They use the word terrible, but I think my version should be the official version. He smelled like musty ass. Yep, musty ass. He attacked women consistently between 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. He would enter homes through bedroom windows, use a flashlight, often to blind his victims. And they also believe that this man would know the island well, um, and he would likely more so know the East Coast better than the rest of the island. That's all we got from the profile. And after these attacks in April of 61, uh, the, the Beast of Jersey would go into hibernation. Between April of 1961 and April of 1963, there would be no attack. And in April of 1963, he would resume. So just took a three-year vacation. A two-year vacation. A two-year, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's just it's wild. 
Between April of 1963 and November of 63, there would be four more victims, again, all children. He would then again disappear for another two years. So between 63, end of 63, and 1966, there's just nothing. In 1966, police would receive a letter from the Beast of Jersey, claiming to be from the Beast of Jersey. In this letter, police are kind of taunted, they're chastised for being basically incompetent. The Beast proclaimed that he commit the perfect crime and he was not satisfied and there would be an additional two victims. Would you like me to read what I assume is the translated letter? Yes. My dear sir, I think that it is just the time to tell you that you are just wasting your time. As every time I have done what I always intended to do and and remember it will not stop at this. But I will be fair to you and give you a chance. I have never had much out of this life, but I intend to get everything I can now. I have always wanted to do the perfect crime. I have done this, but this time let the moon shine very bright in September because this time it must be perfect. Not one, but two. I am not a maniac by a long shot, but I like to play with you people. You will hear from me before September and I will give you all the clues just to see if you can catch me. Yours very sincerely, wait and see. Go to hell. Yeah, he's not my favorite. No. In August 1966, a 15-year-old girl would be the next victim. Unlike the other victims, she was taken from her home, attacked, and this this girl was a little bit different, though. When she had been found, she was found left covered in scratches, and these scratches were perfectly dispersed in parallel lines over her body. What the? What? We'll talk about it. After this attack, the beast would again disappear for four more years. In August 1970, his next victim would again be taken and assaulted in the same manner. However, this time, the assailant spoke to the boy, telling him, be quiet, and quote, because if you don't, someone will harm your mother and father. Initially, this boy, he didn't speak of what happened. He tight-lipped. Mm-hmm. But after being taken to the hospital and them examining him, he does break his silence. And he has these same scratches as the victim before. And he would tell police that the man had spiky black hair and wore a mask. Thankfully, this would be his final attack. Thank God. On July 10th, 1971, police pull over the then 46-year-old Edward Paintsnell. Edward John Lewis Paintsnell was born on 1925, or sorry, born in 1925. It's not clear the exact date of his birth. And not a lot is known about his early life. What we do know is that he came from a wealthy family. Like, his his family was well off. We also know that as a teen, teen or young adult, he would be imprisoned for stealing food to give to starving families. And this would be during World War II, after the UK had declared war on Germany. He would eventually go on to marry Joanne, Pace, uh, Joanne Paisnell. And from what I could find, they would go on to have three children. He worked in construction, and from an outside perspective... He was like a good family man. Even going as far as to play Santa Claus numerous times at the children's foster home or orphanage that his wife worked at, and the kids there called him Uncle Ted. According to some sources, Paisnell had at least one mistress that his wife was unaware of because to her, their marriage was normal. Like, everything was fine. Everything was good. Now, during the time of the attacks, like, his real life, Paisnell was volunteering at community homes with children in his care. He and his wife would even take some of the children in 
There was, he's later accused of being abusive to both staff and the children, but nothing is ever reported to police. And he doesn't have a criminal history. Like, the only thing he had was when he was a teen during the war, imprisoned for, it was like a month. So why was he pulled, you said he was pulled over by police? Yes. One last thing before we talk about why he was pulled over. We also know that when police initially began questioning people, they requested all adult men to provide fingerprints and they could refuse. Uh 13 of them refused. Of the 13, one of those was Paysnell. 13 people out of the island. Uh Uh-huh. So that basically, to me, it sounds like that gave them a pretty damn good list of suspects. Well, yeah, that's what I would say. Especially if he's like such a family man and does all of oh god does all of this work with kids yeah you're just catching on now okay I see <sighs> oh god now on july 10th 1971 police see pace run a red light in a stolen vehicle he would attempt to flee resulting in a high-speed chase where he would end up crashed in a tomato field <laughs> sorry doesn't doesn't slow pace down he would run, but officers would tackle him and ultimately arrest him. The best visual I got for this, by the way, um, was an article talking about, they're not in America, they're in the UK. This was a rugby-style tackle. And I was like, I hope it hurt. Oh, hell yeah. I hope yeah. he slid three feet across that tomato field. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so he is arrested, and on the right to the police station, the officers noted a musty smell coming from him. His musty ass. When they got to the station, they were better able to see this man. And Paisnell had, Paisnell himself was donned in a long raincoat. And this raincoat had nails affixed to the cuffs, shoulders, anywhere it could be. Uh, possibly a wrist fixture that were like sweatbands with nails on them. On his person, he also had a flashlight with tape covering the majority of the glass. He had a black wig, wool cap, cords, tape, and his creepy-ass mask that he would wear during these attacks. Would you what? know what Paysnell said he was on his way to do? Was it either trick-or-treating or being a scarecrow in a field? Neither. Okay, well then, whatever excuse it is, it's going to be horrible. Let's go. Because, y'all, <laughs> this is terrifying. This looks like, this looks like a, a horror movie. According to Paysnell, he was on his way to an orgy. Shut the front door. With who? He himself and him. The devil. Because no one, this, this look can, look, okay, if you like freaky stuff, you go right on ahead, you know? I don't kink shame, but there is absolutely nothing attractive about this. This is terrifying. He claimed that he, he didn't want to be recognized because he was a family man and he didn't want his wife to know and all that, blah, blah, blah. Okay, okay, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Why do you have stabby bits coming out of your wrist, chest, and God knows where else? God, do we want to know where else? Nope. So, that's what he claims. He's like, I'm gonna be late for the orgy. Please release me. And police are like, no, we're gonna keep you in custody. Yeah, you need to send him a text, bud, and tell him you're not gonna make it. They didn't have texting at that point. Send a carrier pigeon. Yes. Send one of those. <laughs> and take that mask with you. Yes. What's this mask made out of? No idea. It looks like it's made out of actual human skin. Um, It's not, from what I found. I think it's latex. It doesn't even fit, which is even more terrifying. 
well, the pictures that you're seeing are probably the police modeling up, not paste model. You could not pay me enough to model a serial killer's outfit. Are you freaking out of your mind? No! What poor rookie did they bring in that day and be like, oh, fresh out of Academy, right? Put on this creepy skin suit with this horrible wig and this stabby jacket for us while we take pictures. Maybe he got a bonus. Oh my god. Not enough <laughs> of a bonus. Well, at this There's point, not they... enough Lysol in the world. I don't know when Lysol was invented. N- not soon enough. <laughs> Well, they have enough at this point that they do go and search Paysonel's home and they find a hidden room and how everything describes it is it's like behind a red curtain. I don't know. I didn't quite understand it, but the uh, the theatrics here. But in this room, would you like to know what they find? Yeah. Well, first thing that they know is it's musty smelling. Ew, what's wrong with you? I don't know. They find a lot of home. Uh, nope. They find a lot of old clothing. Handmade wigs with matching false eyebrows? That's too far. <laughs> too... Why? Okay. You've got the mask! You can't even see your eyebrows! Okay. I'm sorry. Photos of local properties, and when asked about the pictures, Paysnell would state that he chose his victims years before the crimes. He knew details about the families and the homes that he, like, a close personal friend would have known. Oh. My. I'm made of goosebumps. Right now, I am yeah. a large goosebump. He stalked them for, for years. That's what he claims. I hope he's full of it. I really hope he's full of it. Well, I can't exactly ask him. They also found a sword, an altar with books on the occult and black magic. And some, some would basically call this a shrine to Satan. Okay. That feels like a leap for me. Like, no, don't... Don't blame Satan. You're a shitty person. That's it. Well, I mean, he didn't really, he didn't blame Satan. Um, In addition to all of what they find, it does come out that Paysonel had an obsession with the child murderer, uh, Giles de Race. Have you ever heard of it? He's like 15th century, would lure children into his castle and murder them in satanic rituals, if I remember correctly. We'll do a story on him. Don't worry. Yay. I wouldn't call this man a role model by any means, right? Yeah. But this this is who Paysnell modeled himself after. Some articles stated that Paysnell might have believed that he was like a reincarnation of Reyes. I don't know. Um, How did people even find out about the... What year was this? 60s. Well, okay. he's caught in the 70s. It's the 60s, 70s. So he's known about this Giles, Giles guy for a while, obviously, if he's just... Uh, well, just completely taken with him. How the uh, hell do you even find out about serial killers in the 60s? Like, what do you just go to the library and just be like... Um, I mean, I don't know. The encyclopedia? I've been through an encyclopedia and I don't remember it being that detailed. <laughs> For one, though, you've got to remember this is a different country and a very different time. Like, I don't okay, know what they teach true. in Jersey schools. True. I mean, we barely teach anything in school nowadays over here, so maybe they're just better educated. They teach some real weird math in school, okay? That's all I can tell you. Oh, yeah. Jack tried to show me once, and I'm pretty sure he thinks his stepmom is an absolute moron. He's not wrong. I'm sorry. That was rude. I'm kidding. Hey, uh, you know what? When it comes to math, just because I work at a bank doesn't mean I can count. 
I've got three calculators and an adding machine. Okay. Two adding machines, actually. Well, if it makes you feel any better, after 14 years of him reigning terror in Jersey, he's officially caught. And Paysnell's trial begins November 29th, 1971. And it took a jury a total of 30, 38 minutes to find him guilty. I don't know if I should be happy or like, like, what were y'all talking about? Because I'm pretty sure we all know he's guilty. Are y'all just trying to figure out like how guilty? Maybe they talked about the weather. Maybe it was like signing oh. paperwork work that took so long. You know what? Yeah, maybe they were like, hey, you know, we all got to sign these papers and I really don't want to go back to work yet. Can we just stretch it out through lunch? Well, then they have to return and do that deliberation, like mm-hmm. deliver the news, you know? Yeah. Like maybe they give jurors lunch and they're like, look, they're having lasagna today and I'm really excited about it. So let's just keep talking for a little bit more. Maybe. I don't know. Did you see his mask? I'm going to remember that in my dream. No, nightmares. Whoa. Sorry. Nightmares. Dreams, nightmares, I I knew what you meant. (laughs) So, Paysnell, he is convicted of 13 counts of rape, sexual assault, and sodomy against six of his victims. And keep in mind, the youngest of his victims was eight years old. He would be sentenced to 30 years imprisonment. His wife would go on to actually write a biography about the Beast of Jersey. I wanted this book so bad because his wife claimed that she knew nothing. She's like, I had no idea. I didn't even know he had a mistress on the side. I had no idea who was doing this, which... He's not bringing them into the home. Yeah. She didn't even know about the little secret room he had? From what I could find, she had no clue. This guy's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Just so you know, I wanted the book really, really badly, but it was only available for the low, low price of $117.34 for the hardcover. Dang. Okay, yeah. Somehow the paperback was $487. What the heck? Yeah, I don't know. I wanted it, didn't get it. So she wasn't, like, defending him or anything? From what I understood, no, she wasn't. Okay. He looks gross. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's him and his family, too? Yes. He did not age well. No, he certainly did not. All right. In 1991, after 20 years in prison, Paysnell would be released for good behavior. What? Okay. Why? Is he alive right now? I'll tell you in a second. Okay. He would attempt to move back to Jersey, but they were less than welcoming. And he he was not able to move back to Jersey and he would move to the Isle of Wight. And there he would die due to a heart attack in 1994. No, it sucks. Oh, man. Dang. As recently as 2008, evidence has been surfacing against Paysnell's attacks against children. In 2008, there was an investigation conducted which implicated Paysnell in additional sexual assaults and even possibly murder. This was centered around a foster home that numerous children would claim to be abused. One even claimed to have fallen pregnant after Paysnell's attacks on her. One witness later came forward and claimed to have seen Paysnell climb through windows at night wearing his mask and gloves at this orphanage. One witness claimed that he would use chloroform on sleeping children and then remove them from the shared bedroom that they had and take them elsewhere. Um, in the orphanage that they searched, they would go in to find chains and shackles in the basement. And this is in 2008, so Paysnell's oh already dead. I have not been able to find any additional information on what they found with this investigation. I don't know if that is because Paysnell had passed at the time, so they were exploring different assailants and it 
I wasn't searching keywords, but I didn't find anything else. I feel so bad for his poor wife, too, because she she dedicated her life to helping these kids at the orphanage. And Mm -hmm. meanwhile, God only knows what her husband, Uncle Ted, was doing to him behind her back. I can't imagine, like, Mm -hmm. my heart goes out to that woman. Yeah. Now, I also want to touch base on Alphonse just a little bit. Because he's in self-exile. He is the king right now. He would return to Jersey in 1975. And he would have a short stint in jail due to arson accusations. And a jury would unanimously acquit him of all the charges. Thank you. Leave this man alone. Um, They had a pretty good reason to believe it was him. Did he have soot on his hands? No. On the the reef where he was exiled uh, exiled to? Uh Uh-huh. They, like, the Jersey authorities came in and did, like, a extermination of some of the rabbits on the area because they were harmful to the vegetation. Okay. And that was his main source of food, and he was kind of pissed and lit a, potentially lit a, one of the huts on fire. Okay, Alphonse. Um, <laughs> you know what? He's been through a lot, though, so it's still kind of hard for me to be, like, I mean, was it his hut or someone else's hut? Someone else's. Damn, Alphonse. Come on, man. I'm trying to have your back here. From what I understood, none of the huts were his. Like, he lived in one of them, but he was, like, someone was allowing him to live in that. Okay, way to bite the hand that feeds you, bud. I still maintain, leave the man alone. Well, (laughs) he's back. Um, After the jury unanimously unanimously acquits him of all all the charges, he would live back on in Jersey until June of 2012 when he passed away. Aww. There was proposed compensation in 1999 for him, but ultimately it would not be awarded to him. Um, There was talk about setting a precedence for the wrongly accused and blah, 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 even though I feel like he was probably a very different scenario. But yeah, what do I know? Now, the beast. Sorry, I was just I was just going to agree with you and be like, no, this that man deserved like from what it sounded like he did not have an easy life on that island even though he like exiled himself there what are you gonna do everybody hates you at home um and i kind of feel like you know god knows how much time he lost off of his, off of his life from freezing how warm yeah. can a candle under a blanket really keep you from what i found even after he returned to the to jersey he didn't have a great life like he he still had issues and i mean he basically was like, well, you guys are a little too late for this proposed money. And then they don't even give it to him. But he's like, okay. Yeah, you could have at least, like, bought him a house. The Beast of Jersey may have only been charged for 13 counts of assault, but it's widely believed that there are many more victims. Just imagine there could have been that just simply weren't reported. I did find some study- studies that showed only 16 to 40% rapes of rapes are reported. 16 to 40? According to Rain, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, out of every 1,000 sexual assaults, only 310 are reported. Oh, God. So for anyone listening that needs support due to any sexual assault or anything, or if you know anyone, you guys can reach out to the organization Rain or other organizations like Rain. Um, at least for America. I don't know about other countries, so I'm sorry. But Rain's specific number is 800-656-HOPE. God, that's sad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just, and even if you don't tell anybody, at least get help for your own mental health. 
like I said, we don't know his true number of victims because we don't, we just don't know how many he didn't report. Well, I'm glad he's dead and I hope it hurt. The heart attack? Mm-hmm. I know that's probably not the best thing to say, but he wasn't the best person, so I don't care. I'm not. I, I'm the last person to argue with you. And yeah, I'm just, I can't, I gotta get these, this freaking costume off of my screen. The costume is terrifying. It's so, like, so why the, has this not been a movie? Do we want it as a movie, though? Kinda. I mean, no, not him in this story, just this costume alone. Oh, I don't know. Like, that's it, the movie. Opening credits shows him walking across the screen, and then it just closes. Yeah, and you can see in one of them, where I said it was, like, the sweatbands, you can see, this, like, the spikes on it. I think I see it on the full body picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is, like, and then there's another one uh, where you can see it, like, it looks like maybe it's on the lapel of the jacket. Mm-hmm. Is that what that's called? Lapel? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm like in the collar lapel. Yeah. Which is like, what kind of mind? And he got caught perfect time because he was escalating, right? Because mm-hmm. he had just barely affixed these. Like, he would have ended up, if he hadn't already, he would have ended up starting to murder these victims. I really am kind of surprised that he didn't just because he went for, was it 14 years? He went 14 for 14 years. years and we don't know of any victims that he killed. And I guess maybe he just got some kind of sick pleasure out of letting them live and walking them home, like we said, and just putting them back in bed. Like, you... See, that uh, is even worse, because it's like, um, I walked you home, I know where you live. I will, mm-hmm. like, I can come back. And, like, for a child? Hell no. Yeah, and, like, he told that little boy, you know, oh, oh, somebody will hurt your parents. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you can thank Cody for this, Cody, or... Cody for the story? I will not. You can blame Cody for the story. I most definitely will. Okay. <laughs> but I'm happy it's out of my head. See, y'all, this is why we end with paranormal stories, by the way. Yes, because it's not, I would, the last thing I want to think about when we're done is something that we are typically laughing about, like a haunting. Well, funny you should say that because I have a, well, it's actually, actually, it's, a dash of haunting with a splash of exorcism. Oh. Yeah. So. I love it when we've got a splash of exorcisms. <laughs> this is, okay, since we're, you know, celebrating St. Patrick's Day, I went to Ireland. Uh, I think specifically it's North Ireland. I think that's technically the UK. If I'm wrong, I'm really sorry, guys. <laughs> I went to school in Alabama, Okay. But this is the Murphy family and Cooning Cottage. In 2016, the Forestry Service of Northern Ireland was clearing trees near the Fermanagh and Tyrone border when they found an abandoned cottage in the mountains. And they knew exactly what it was. It is known as the Cooning Ghost House. And from what I saw, locally, some people call it Cooneen. It's allegedly the only house in Ireland that had an, I'm sorry, it's allegedly one of the only places and the only house in Ireland that had an exorcism performed in it. Oh, I don't know if that's a good thing to have. Like, we're one of the only houses. Yeah, I'm not sure either. <laughs> I don't know and if for the longest For the longest time, people could go up to this house. And they still kind of can. Now the Forestry Service has put a fence around it and they boarded up the windows and doors. 
But, you know, people are going to people. And I did see a couple pictures online where it looks like they had taken some of those boards. Somebody somewhere had taken some of those boards down. Amanda's not ratting you out. She's like, someone somewhere. I saw it on yeah. your Instagram, but. I didn't say any names. I did, <laughs> however, watch a TikTok or two. So y'all keep doing your thing, okay? Because I'm watching. In 1911, a widow named Bridget Murphy lived in the house. She had one son who was about 21 years old and five daughters ranging from three to 18 years old. She was busy. And apparently her husband had died in an unexpected, some sources called it like a freak accident. I could not find the accident. But soon after he passed, strange things started happening to the family. And it started with a knocking at the door and they would open the door and no one was there. And then from the door, it's eventually started knocking on the windows. Oh, that's a skinwalker for sure. Well, they, they also heard heavy footsteps pacing in the hayloft above the house. Oh, skinwalker for sure. From what I read, this hayloft was above the house, but the staircase to get to it, there was only one entrance and the staircase was outside the house. So they would hear it walking. They would go outside and go up the staircase and nothing was there. Burn the house down. <laughs> I mean, you got hay in the, in the attic. It should be pretty easy, right? Yeah, that's flammable. Mrs. Murphy, she thought she was losing it. And like, I would too, because not only is this shit just scary, okay, but her husband just died. So she's dealing with this on top of, I can't even imagine the grief. Yeah. And she's got seven, no, six kids. Okay, this poor woman. So she starts inviting her neighbors over. And she's like, you know, I keep hearing all this stuff. All this stuff keeps happening. Can you just come over and sit with me? Uh, I feel like I would be like, no. I will bring you some soup and flowers. And then I'm peacing out. You know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not that friend. But these neighbors, they witnessed everything that she was talking about. They heard the windows rattling, banging on the doors. Uh, people described it as saying it sounded like something was trying to get inside the cottage. No. And while the neighbors were there, or as they started visiting... Uh, the situation escalated just a teeny tiny bit. Uh, the beds would start lifting up and falling back down on their own, crashing back down to the floor. This is just a small escalation. The big stuff, the whole house falls from the sky at that point. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, we're not there yet. So it's okay, right? Plates would fly off the tables. And there was a guy that uh, I read his name what? There was a guy that I read about. His name was Benedict Keeley. He lived in Tyrone and he visited the family once. And he is quoted as saying, a plate of food took off from the range, flew the length of the room, and made a perfect landing on the table. A perfect landing? Like, I know this is some sort of paranormal being, but if you're bringing me refills, I don't hate it. That's not an yeah. invitation. But... <laughs> I love that me and you now, when we say shit like that, we're really quick to be like, nope, nope, whoever's <laughs> listening, get the hell out still. Not an invitation, but I am impressed. I'll put it that way. So after all of this starts happening, and like I said, it's getting worse, Mrs. Murphy turned to the church and she begged them to help her. So they sent out Father Coyle. He was from McGuire's Bridge. And they also sent out a Kahir Healy, who was a member of Parliament. So they were like serious from the sounds of it. Okay. 
Yeah, go Ireland because in the U.S. they would the government would be like, "You're dumb," right? Only in a more like legal term, probably along the lines of "Stop calling us and pay your taxes," something like that. Probably. So, uh, Father Coyle and Mister Healy they visited the house together, and Father Coyle was said to have stood with his mouth agape, just watching. And he said that pots and pans threw themselves across the room. They crashed into walls. The cottage stayed cold. No matter what they tried to do, it was. Oh. And it was eerily cold. Listen, first of all, if you're going to be throwing my pots and pans, they better be washed, right? Like, I cooked dinner. You benefited. At least you smelled it. Wash and put it away, okay? Well, they don't put make... it on the table for you. No, put it away. <laughs> Uh, and then the fact that they're over here keeping the house cold. Hell no. If I have my fur, I'm cold. Don't mess with my temperature. What's eerie to me is, well, a lot of this, but they said that they saw strange shadows appear and move across the wall and then disappear through the walls. Nope. I absolutely hate that. I less than like that. They would see furniture being levitated. So now everything's floating, I guess. You want to sit on the couch? Sorry. This is three feet off the ground. The house is next. We're going to be falling on the wicked witch of the whatever here soon. So Father Coyle, he goes back to the church. And <laughs> I don't know what he told them. But they gave him permission to perform not just one exorcism, but two. Oh, so he's like, sure, go for it. You said the everything's floating. You guys floated in here yourselves and followed you here. Go ahead. Do an exorcism. Burn the house down. Bye. Um, <clears throat> are we surprised that neither exorcism worked? No, not even a little bit. <laughs> um, everything's still happening. The house is still cold as hell. The pots and pans are flying through the rooms. Uh, <laughs> Sheets on the bed would rise and fall like there was somebody under them breathing. No, thank you. Get the fuck out of my bed. We made you one in the corner. Go to your bed. Go get in your pallet and leave. My First of all, put the bed on the ground and leave it there and then get out of it. I'm tired. Secondly, now I have to wash the sheets. Have you not heard mm -hmm. of COVID-19? Come on. Oh, they also heard moans and groans that would echo through the house. You with the moans and groans. Would you stop it? I'm going to have to find and get somebody send me a synonym for moan. Okay. Making <laughs> moans your least favorite word. It is now. It wasn't before this. Groan, wail, whimper, Ooh, sob, cry, whine, howl, lament. Ooh, eat. lament. That's a $3 word. There you go. I gave you some different words for moan. Thank I'll try to use some of those next time. <laughs> You'll forget it. It's fine. Yeah, I will. So by this time, the like I said, the exorcism did not work. The exorcisms, plural, did not work. And this is this is some hot goss. So it's spreading around town. People are talking about them everywhere. The newspapers are reporting on it. <laughs> Rumors are spreading that. They, the Murphy family themselves, brought this demon upon themselves by dabbling in black magic. What was really popular is that one day her son found a book in the forest, and this book dealt with the occult, and he used it to invoke an evil spirit. Oh, that sounds like some shit Cody would pull. 
I found this book in the forest and I read what it said and did what it said. It was something in Latin. I don't know what it meant. I don't know, but I did it. It had a skull on the page. I thought it looked cool. Figured why not? What's the harm? And then they mess with me. That's the issue is they mess with me. Yeah, I don't like that. They make me feel like I'm losing my mind. At point, go on. Just, we won't talk about it. <laughs> so the church can't help them. They tried. Let's give them credit. Uh, but the church can't help them. They're tired of the pots and pans and the shadows. And now they're being like ostracized by their community. So they dipped. Mrs. Murphy and her kids immigrated to America by boat in 1913. Oh, hell no. They better have left everything there. In the house? Yes. Well, I think when you immigrate, you leave almost everything, right? No, no, I meant the ghost. Oh, no, it followed him. Dead ass. It followed them on the boat. Okay, so that's, I'm blaming them now for Cody <laughs> and the ghost in America. Okay, I see. It said that the being followed them, they heard constant tapping, knocking, banging in their cabin on the boat. And it said that there are documents from the ship that claimed so many people heard and complained about all of this noise that the captain of the ship threatened to put her off the ship. Which, okay, first of all, how, sir? How does one just put someone off a ship when you're sailing from Ireland to America? Throw them off! You're just gonna chunk them into the sea? Bye! Shark bait, ooh ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> he was not messing around. He's like, first of all, this is my boat, my rules. Do not, do not make me pull this over and get you out. Next iceberg, you're off. You're on your own. Get your poltergeist under control, ma'am. Because <laughs> not on my boat. Not today, ma'am. I did look for documents from this voyage. I didn't find any. I really wanted to. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But um, regardless of him talking to her, the noises continued. To the point where her neighbors on the ship lost sleep. It's rumored that a young boy was so out of it from not sleeping that he was run down in the streets after they made it to New York. This poor kid. That one of mine. Because they're both yours. I wouldn't say you're poor kid. You're your spoiled child. But yeah, this poor kid. It now also it didn't it didn't elaborate on that. I really, really hope that's just a rumor. I don't know what the process for immigrating is, especially in the early 1900s, but the demon or spirit following them, he didn't make it past immigration. He didn't have the proper documents. I guess not. Or maybe he just got there and was like, oh, not for me. <laughs> Get me a boat. <clears throat> yeah. He, now, maybe he got put off in the water on the way there. Maybe the captain, maybe he's a man of his word. He was like, I'm pulling this boat over. Where's that iceberg? I don't give a shit. Where Greenland? You're screwed. Sorry. I don't know. I don't think you pass cro- uh, cross paths with Greenland, but. Whatever we- happened, I, I don't know. But the Murphy family was said to live out their days in peace after reaching the U.S. It said that it kind of tapered off after they got here and eventually just the activity completely disappeared there are rumors though um that one of the daughters was so traumatized that she spent the rest of her life in an asylum people believe that this spirit somehow made its way back to the house 
And uh, from what I've read in some articles, when the house was rediscovered in 2016, forest, the Forestry Service originally asked if anybody was interested in restoring the house as a tourist destination. No. I'm not interested in that at all. <laughs> Thank you for not asking. There's my opinion. Not happening. You know what it is? This ghost was making sure that the family was not coming back. He they was escorting them. Yeah. Yeah. He's he just, been trying to get them the hell out. He's like, get, quit keeping me from levitating things. Get your big butt off my floating chair. I'm busy. This is my bed. I'm <laughs> sleeping here. Stop mumbling your Latin words and splashing me with water. How disrespectful. Why does that water burn? <laughs> what kind of Tabasco? This is some spicy water. Uh -huh. In the early 1990s, before the trees were even cleared, the Kunin slash Kunian, Kunian? Sorry, y'all. Community Development Association allegedly considered turning the property into a tourist attraction, but a local priest came in and he put the kibosh on that. He told them that trouble would befall the members of the Development Association if they disturbed the haunted building. If he's a priest, I imagine he knows what he's talking about. We're going to try to trust those priests. Especially if he's like, don't touch that. We have some demons in there. Yes. Like, I don't, even though Father Coyle might not have been successful in his exorcisms. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he had to give them something when he reported back. I, I just feel like they know about this house. He went back and said, there's definitely some demons in there. We've got most of them confined. One was able to take off with the uh, owners to America, but we think he's coming back. So Graham Gunn, he was interviewed by the impartial reporter. And at the time, I don't know if he still is. He was the head of the Fermanaw. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Fermanaw Paranormal Society. He assured the impartial reporter that clearing the trees would not release the spirit because a lot of people were worried about that. And he says that the poltergeist is claimed to be attached to the house, not the surrounding area. So just because they cleared the trees out and you can like very clearly see the house, it's cool. He's still in there chilling. He don't like coming outside. Uh-huh. Okay. He said that there is a very heavy and eerie atmosphere surrounding the house. Okay, that's why we don't clear the trees. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, I don't, I don't want that. Just keep it hidden and let it just slowly decay or something. Which, this house is old as hell. And look at, like, there's still a lot of it standing. Yeah, that I don't enjoy. But what the hell construction company was like, yeah, sure, we'll clear the trees around this haunted-ass place. I'll just send Jimmy and... Jimmy and Luke up there right now. Oh, it was the Northern Ireland Forestry. What poor service. workers. The Forestry Service of Northern Ireland, yeah. Okay. N underpaid. Those construction workers had better have been sent with, like, the whole gambit of things. Like, crosses, priests better accompany them to work every day. Yes. Holy water that they could bathe in daily. A sachet like of something. They had better have had an entire damn wagon with them of shit. Yes. One of those uh, portable showers that just rained holy water upon you. Yes. Uh, Graham Gunn, he also said, I can understand the point the local priest has made, as I think the Kunin ghost house should only be visited by those that would want to further understand the story of it 
and not have the house exploited by those who want to commercialize it. I say nobody go to the house ever. I agree. Now, and if you go to the house, take a holy water shower and or bath for a holy number of days. I don't know how many days that is. All of them. <laughs> but don't bring it back home. A lot of people go to this place because no. it's not it's it's not really blocked off. It's creepy because it is in the middle of nowhere. You can find it. You can look it up, search it on TikTok. This guy goes to it. He stays uh, until it gets dark. He's got more cojones than I do because I ain't doing it. But like I said, they have the fence put up. They have the stuff boarded up. Um, there's a Facebook page for the Cooning Ghost House. Do you follow it? I'm sorry. I said a Facebook page. Well, there is a Facebook page, but there's also a Google page. There is no website. But I went through the reviews and people report that um, while they were there, they had stones thrown at them. They, you can hear, it'll be dead silent, but then suddenly you hear twigs snapping or thumps coming from inside the house. Just being near it will make the hair on your neck stand up. And then there's just unexplained wails that come from the house. Not moans. <laughs> I saw what you did there. I heard the hesitation and then the thought process. Yeah, I'm really going to try to work that into my vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's your own fault. Report about one sexy ghost couple and you never hear it. Uh, you never live it down. <laughs> Can you? First of all, he could hear moaning after their deaths. And he likely caught them in the act. Okay. I still don't think that's what it meant, though. <laughs> I don't think it was moans of pleasure. It would be so much worse. Okay, we're sidetracked. Go, uh, go on with your story. <laughs> that is, uh, that's, that's it. That's the story okay. of the Kooning Ghost House. So don't go there. Um, it should have been burned down and the spot should be exercised daily. Until it's clear to go there. There should still be trees around it. Uh, there's demons in there. That's for damn sure. Now I did read that they never. Tore it down. Because they're afraid of letting out whatever's in there. So they just kind of. Left it. <laughs> they're like we're. We're not sure if there really goes in there. But we're not going to be the ones to take the risk. Exactly. Yeah. Which yeah. you know what. That is a safe way of thinking, and I appreciate it. Like, I don't know if ghosts are real, but just in case, we're going to leave this house here. Yeah. For, what, a hundred years and the damn thing's still standing? I don't know what to tell you. I wish someone would build me a house like that. As soon as we start seeing too much damage, we are patching that shit up. Absolutely. Yeah. Plug it, patch it, cement it, whatever you need to do. This house has to stay forever. It can never leave. You know what? In... In the future, if we ever hear of this house being uh, torn down, we're going into hiding. I am not going. I would love to go to Ireland. Oh, my God. It's so pretty. I would not go if this house is ever destroyed. Well, I mean, regardless, if it's ever destroyed, we're just going into hiding. I don't know if I can hide. This thing clearly crosses oceans. Okay. I don't know for how long, but I don't. It's going to fly straight to Arkansas. Why the hell would you do that? There's nothing here. 
Or you could go to New York where there is more people, sorry, New York, where there is more people <laughs> to terrify. And you can just take over the whole city starting from um, Central Park. Okay. Where do we not have listeners? Nevada. Take Nevada. No, Nevada's too close. Oh, oh yeah, that is kind of close for you. Isn't it? You know what? You know what? I have the perfect people. And I don't know how you haven't thought of this. Take Mississippi. Yeah, Mississippi. <laughs> with your damn pothole roads. We we currently have a grudge against Mississippi because for whatever reason, out of all these states that we have, we don't have anyone in Mississippi. So we're holding a grudge. Somebody just go to Mississippi. Just drive there, download our episode, and just go home. Okay, please. Thanks. And then we can take Mississippi off of that list of places yes. where this, mm-hmm. I don't know what can start. And you never have to go back unless it's for seafood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Point is, is that go to, I can start in Mississippi, though that means that you're going to have to take the long way through Tennessee back home. That's fine. Or Alabama. And then I'll just see, I can see family at the bottom, family at the top. Boom, done. You just can't cut through Mississippi anymore without a permit. A ghost hunting permit. A ghost hunting (laughs) permit. Well, that is one thing I will not be applying for. I am good here just talking about them and telling them they're not invited. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter, Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime and paranormal stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well, especially if they're in Mississippi. Especially if they're in Mississippi. (laughs) Yeah, because out of all the states, for whatever reason, Mississippi is holding out on us. Uh, Sorry for all the bad things I said about Mississippi. (laughs) I haven't said anything except for the demon (laughs) uprising can start there. That's probably pretty bad. Anyways, thanks for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. Bye. Bye.